Amen. Well, you know, sometimes I teach, sometimes I preach, and sometimes I treach. That means a little bit of teaching, a little bit of preaching. And uh, so I think today that's what I'm going to be doing. God has called me to communicate the word. Uh, every pastor is supposed to open up the scriptures and tell you what they say. They're not supposed to stand up and tell you what they want it to say. They're supposed to stand up and tell you what God intended for us to get out of it. That's what a pastor is supposed to do. Now, today I'm going to just start a real brief two-week series on prophecy. Prophecy and prophets. And what I want to do today is just lay a little foundation. I'm going to lay a foundation on uh, just what the Bible teaches. It's, it's, a, it's an overview. I mean, I could spend a year on this, well, at least six months. Um, but I, just because of time, I'm going to give you an overview. So you have a basic understanding of what the Bible says about prophecy. How many of you know that prophecy is real? How many of you know the Bible is a book of prophecy? I mean, it's full of it. So today, that's what we're going to look at. But I'm calling this Angels of Light because I'm first going to just go over some things that are warned about false prophets, and then I'm going to go into the real thing, and next week I'm going to devote exclusively on how to spot a false prophet and how to respond. Now, here's why I'm doing this. As a shepherd, I'm called to oversee you, watch over your soul. You know why? I'm going to give an account. I'm going to answer to Jesus. Isn't anybody going to be standing there with me? I'm going to answer to Jesus for how I taught you and how I protected you from time to time and how I ministered the word of God to you. So uh, it, it's my take that I've never in my life, and I've been around a while. I mean, I'm 45. How long have I been preaching now? Yeah. So anyway, uh, I've been around a, a long time. I have pastored, believe it or not, 37 years. Help me, Jesus. So I've been around a while, never in my life have I seen more false prophecy than we are now. It's everywhere. You know why? Because of social media. There's the real thing and there's the false thing. And I'm going to show you that today. So let's read out of Matthew 24, starting at verse 1. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to read the first three, ver first, uh, yeah, three verses. Then I'm only going to read what Jesus uh, said about false prophets and false Christs. Um, and this is, well, let's just read it, starting at verse 21. Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said to them, Don't you see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone will be left here upon another, that won't be thrown down. Now, I've read this many times to you. This was a mind-blowing, rattling statement to the disciples because the temple was the building around which all of their religious life uh, existed. This was like me saying, you know, tomorrow or next week or at this time next year, there will be no more downtown Fort Worth or downtown Dallas. It won't be there anymore. None of it. Every building will be fallen down Ashes on the ground. Even that would not rattle you like this rattled them. So as he sat on the Mount of Olives, they took a walk, went to the Mount of Olives. The disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when will these things be that you just talked about? In other words, when will the temple come down? And then I almost hear it like this. And 
And while we're asking you, Lord, what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? So they asked for a prediction, watch this church, of something near and something far away. When is the temple going to come down like you said? And by the way, what is going to be the sign of the end of the world? Well, isn't it neat that Jesus told them, answered them both, both questions. Jesus answered and said to them, now here's verse four. Now I'm only going to read what he said about false prophets. He answered and said to them, take heed that no one deceives you. Verse five, for many will come in my name saying, I'm the Christ and they'll deceive a few, many. I'm seeing if you're listening. Now watch this, look at verse, now jumping down to verse 11. Jesus said again, then, when, before his return, then many false prophets will rise up and deceive a few, many. Verse 24, for false Christ and false, it seems like he can't get off his theme, doesn't it? For false Christ and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to do what, everybody? So they will be miracle workers, or they will look like miracle workers. They will do signs and wonders. They will look supernatural. They will do supernatural, what looks like supernatural things. But it won't be from God. They'll show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. I want you to say with me, that be me. So they're going to be so convincing, they might deceive you. False Christ, false prophets, false teachers. Now, verse 25, what I preached on last week, see, I've told you beforehand. So what did he warn us about beforehand? There would be false Christ, false prophets, and false teachers proliferating, abundantly available everywhere in the last days before his return. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for the protection of your word, the guidance of your word. And we pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, you will touch your word today and help us to be discerning people, wise people, uh, equipped for every good work. And Lord, mature enough and wise enough and knowledgeable of your word enough that we are not subject to the deception that will be abundantly present in these last days. I pray your word will touch those not only here, but those uh, listening at home and those who will hear this on radio around the United States of America. I pray you touch it. And Lord, make us wise children of God in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, buckle your seatbelt. It's going to be good today. Amen. Amen. Isn't it strange that in our day, there's sort of this sentiment out there that, it, that if a, a man of God or a woman of God gets up and says something that can be perceived as negative, it's not of God. But can I tell you that the Bible is a book of warnings more than anything else. I read the prophets. Read Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel. Read the minor prophets. Read them all. They, they warn their, God's people all the time. Jesus warned us all the time. The apostles, read the epistles. Paul, Peter, James, John, Jude, when they wrote. You, you can't go to any of their epistles without finding warnings. So why would we shun warnings? Because a warning may come over as negative, but it's a positive in that it delivers you from a negative. Are you with me? Right? 
I mean, every time I stand up here, if all I do is tell you upbeat, good things that, 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 that uh, you know, give you Holy Ghost bumps, then I'm tickling your ear. I'm not being truthful because sometimes the truth is a warning. Now, I want you to just, just see here that in answering the disciples' questions, what will be the sign of, uh, of your coming and of the end of the age, the end of the world, Jesus immediately launched into warnings. Warnings to who? Warning to his followers. Warning to those that have followed him for three and a half years. Warnings to his people. He warned them. And he warned them about false prophets over and over again. And he, he mentioned false prophets more than he did anything else. When you talk about Matthew 24 and 25, you're talking about what we call the Olivet Discourse. The Olivet Discourse was, was the longest prophecy Jesus ever uttered. And in the Olivet Discourse, in Matthew 24 alone, four times he warns us about deception in the last days. He doesn't warn us about famines four times, earthquakes four times, uh, pestilences four times. He only warns us four times about deception. Now, why would Jesus do that unless there was a real danger of being deceived? Being deceived. In other words, being told that something is from God, being told that something is of God, being told that something is true, and you believe it, but it's not, and it leads you astray. Now, I would be a bad preacher, a bad teacher, if I didn't bring out that Jesus warned us. Now, one big reason to bring it out now is we're in the last days. We're headed towards the end of the age. Christ could come at any moment. So Jesus has given us the things that we can look for before he returns. And one of them, four times, watch out for false teachers, false preachers, false ministers, false prophets, and even people that stand up and say, don't know how to break this to you, but I happen to be Christ. You'd be amazed how many people go after people like that. You'd be amazed. Now... He warned of the same thing in the Sermon on the Mount. I read to you from Matthew 24, but if you drop back all the way to the beginning of his ministry, Matthew 7, verse 15, Jesus said, Beware of false prophets who come disguised, everybody say disguised, as harmless sheep, but they're really vicious wolves. They're doing a Halloween. They're playing Halloween with you. They wear a mask of a sheep. They, they, they try to come over as innocent and harmless and good, but inside there is a wolf. And what does a wolf do? It eats things. What does a wolf do? It kills things. What does a wolf do? It destroys things, all right? It eats you. And Jesus said, beware of false prophets. There's real prophets, and I'm going to show you that, but he said, watch out for the false ones because they come to you disguised. They wear a, per a persona of being a man or a woman of God, a minister of righteousness, somebody they carry Bibles around with them. They are appealing. They're charismatic. They are convincing. They are persuasive. They, they come over as, you know, hallelujah, kumbaya, I love the Lord. But their message or their prophecies are false. And they lead you astray. They lead you to believe things about God that aren't true to expect things from God that aren't going to happen. They misrepresent the Word of God, twist the Word of God, 
skew the Word of God, where when they teach it, it sounds right, and they may say 95% right things. But in the right things, there's a hook, and it's a wrong thing. And that wrong thing leads you astray. They're very crafty. They're very knowledgeable. They're quite good at what they do. That's what he's telling us. They're disguised. They know who they are, but they don't want you to know who they are. Now, these kinds of warnings against false teachers and false prophets infiltrating the church of Jesus Christ are found all through the New Testament. Because you see, that's Jesus' warning to us. These aren't just secular false prophets out there, you know, on some secular talk show prophesying or teaching false, misleading things. These are false prophets. Why would they disguise themselves as a sheep when actually they're a wolf? Because they're coming in among sheep. If I'm not going to go in among sheep, I don't need to look like a sheep. But if I'm going to be in among sheep, I've got to look like a sheep. So the the prediction is that they will infiltrate the church of Jesus Christ. Now, this time I'm just going to give you an overview of prophecy. Like I said, next time I want to share on how to spot a false prophet and how to respond to them. But first I want us to note something. The ever-present danger of false teachers and false prophets. Jesus, or just before his departure from Ephesus, Paul gathered the Ephesian elders around him. And here's what he said to them. Listen carefully. He said, I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. What did he mean by that? He's talking about false teachers, false prophets, false leadership will come in among you. And what did he call them, everybody? Wolves. Wolves disguised as sheep, they will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among yourselves, so notice now, he's talking about something homegrown. From among yourselves, men are going to rise up speaking misleading things. Speaking what kind of things? Misleading things. Where do they come from? From among yourselves. They are, they are sheep. They are wolves in sheep disguise. Speaking misleading things to draw away the disciples after themselves. Now, note how Paul stresses that the false prophets and the teachers would come from among yourselves, from within the church, to teach misleading things. Brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so, reverend so-and-so. They'll be on Christian TV. They'll be on Christian radio. They'll write books that end up in Christian bookstores. They are wolves disguised as sheep. Are you with me, everybody? Say, well, Pastor Jeff, this isn't a jump up and shout message. No, it's not. But if it delivers you from a wolf, it is a jump up and shout word. All right? Paul also warned the Corinthian church of the same danger. Listen to what he said in 2 Corinthians eleven thirteen. For such are false apostles. False. So there's real apostles and there's false ones. Deceitful workers transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. There's the disguise again. And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of what? Light. Satan himself can come to you like an angel of light. He doesn't come with a red suit and a tail, pitchfork, horns, 
and say, I'm here to deceive you. No, he comes in the guise of someone very attractive, very appealing, very persuasive, very knowledgeable, very eloquent, um, uh, and, and that looks like and appears to be somebody that's really, really got it going on, the things of God. But when you listen to what they teach or what they prophesy, it doesn't line up with the Word of God. And that's where you and I have got to know the Bible better than we know any book on earth. And I'm telling you, if there was ever a day we need to know our Bible, hold it close, hug it tight, read it more than we've ever read it before, it is now. Now, now, now. So listen to verse 15. Therefore, it's no great thing if his ministers, look what he calls them, his ministers. Whose ministers? Satan's. Transform themselves into ministers of righteousness. Pastor so-and-so and pastor so-and-so and a preacher so-and-so. Ministers of righteousness, but they've been transformed. That's not really who they are. Now, then we fall, find Paul prophetically warning his son in the faith, Timothy, who became a pastor and pastor of the church at Ephesus, uh, he warned Timothy about false prophets in the last days. Listen to what he says, 2 Timothy 3.1. You may as well know this too, Timothy, that in the last days it's going to be very difficult to be a Christian. Everybody say amen. He then tells Timothy that one of the things that will make it so difficult is the infiltration of false prophets and teachers into the church. Listen to what he says. Paul says these false prophets and teachers will work their way into people's homes. The word work there is worm, slither their way into people's homes. How do false teachers and prophets get into our homes these days? That square box that all your furniture faces, right? That's how they get in. Now, and watch this now. And they will win the confidence of vulnerable women who are burdened with the guilt of sin and controlled by various desires. Such women are forever following new teachings, new revelations. And that's the way false Christs and false prophets and false teachers always come over. I've got a revelation that's never been delivered to the body of Christ before. I've got a brand new revelation. Can I tell you something radical? If it's new, it's not true. You say, well, come on, Jeff, you can get a new revelation. No, you might get a better understanding of what's already written. But there's nothing you can do to add to the Word of God. You don't have a new revelation that's not in the Word of God. Can I say that again? You do not have a new revelation that's not in the Word of God. No, because if it's new and it's not in the Word of God, it's not true. If it's new, it's not true. I've listened to these false Christs and false prophets. I know what they teach. They teach things, and I'm sitting there going, huh? Where did you get that? because that's not in my Bible. Well, if it's new, it's not true. But that's the way false Christ and false prophets always come over. I, I'm a man of revelation. I'm a man that, that gets things, that, that gets downloads from God that nobody has ever gotten. So I'm going to give you a new revelation. As soon as you hear the word new, if they're talking about something that's not in the Bible, hit the back door, look for the nearest exit sign, and leave. Because, listen, we have 66 books of the Word of God and, and any message I bring to you, it's from that. It's from what is already written. Y'all are real quiet. Real quiet. I'm being real honest with you. I may lose some people over this, but I don't think I will. I'll probably gain some. Because we so much need to hear the Word of God as it is these days. Now look what he says. These women, 
You know, notice how the devil went for the woman, not the man, just like he did in the Garden of Eden. He went for her and not him. And so these women are open to new teachings, but they are, but they are never able to understand the truth. These teachers oppose the truth. They have depraved minds and a counterfeit faith. And again, Paul comes later and warns Timothy. Now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last times, in the last days, at the end of the age, some will turn away from the true faith. They will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. Now, how do you get taught something that is coming from a demon? A demon doesn't just come up to you, woo here, let me tell you something. Um, no, they, they use a person. And so he's saying, these, the, these, uh, Paul is saying, they will follow, they will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons that are inhabiting false teachers and false prophets. And who brings these teachings from demons? It's the false teachers and it's the false prophets. So let me sum it up. False prophets and false teachers will. Listen carefully, everybody. Catch this. Here's what they do. They will seek to infiltrate the church. They come disguised as genuine ministers, even angels of light. They teach false doctrine and prophesy false things. They will be convincing, and unfortunately, in many cases, they will be successful. I'm not just talking about Mormons. I'm not just talking about Jehovah's Witnesses. I'm talking about false teachers and prophets that have infiltrated the mainstream church and are teaching things that are not true. Now, let me take you back and establish the word prophet. Where did it begin? The first prophet found in the whole Bible was Abraham. In Genesis 20, verse 7, God warned King Abimelech after he had taken Sarah, Abraham's wife, into his own house. We're told that Sarah was a looker. Sarah was a pretty woman, and Abraham knew it. And he said, you're so pretty, if we go into a city that is pagan and they see you, they're going to kill me to get you. So I'm asking you to tell a little white lie, sister. And you tell them that you're my sister. Well, Sarah gave all that to God, Peter tells us. She gave it to God. Well, sure enough, they went into a city. They saw Sarah. They inquired about her, and King Abimelech wanted to bring her into his own house. He wanted to eventually have relations with her. But as soon as he got her into the house, they began to be covered with plagues. And he knew something was wrong. And God told him, God warned King Abimelech after he had taken Sarah, listen to what he said, now therefore restore that man's wife, for he is a prophet. There's the first time the word is found, prophet. And he will pray for you and you will live. In other words, I'm about to kill you if you don't get rid of that woman. Well, he got rid of her quick. And you ought to read how it all went down between him and Abraham. You lied to me. You told me a story. It almost got me killed. We've been covered with plagues. And they had a moment there. And Abraham repented. But he did it again later. Isn't it comforting to know the father of our faith had a lying problem? Yeah, that, he lied. He lied to save his own skin. He was willing to let his wife be taken into a foreign king's palace and, and, and whatever. Uh, to save his own skin. And isn't it comforting to know that God turned him into the father of our faith? Can we give the Lord a hand of praise for that? Amen. Now you jump down a few hundred years later and we find Moses. 
And the Bible also calls Moses a prophet. As a matter of fact, it says he was a great prophet. Uh, Deuteronomy 34.10, there has never again been a prophet in Israel like Moses. Now with Abraham and Moses both, prophet simply meant spokesman. That's all. And we also see that these two men had a ministry of standing in the gap for others. So the word prophet meant spokesman and one who stands in the gap. Abraham stood in the gap for Lot and his family when the fire was about to fall on Sodom and Gomorrah. And Moses stood in the gap for the people of God going through the wilderness all the time. And they were spared the wrath of God because Moses prayed. So it meant spokesman speaking on behalf of God was a prophet speaking on behalf of God and standing in the gap between God and others and praying for them. Then as Old Testament scripture unfolds, we find God raising up full-time major prophets. There were four major prophets and 12 minor prophets. Major prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel. The minor prophets I won't list, but you can look them up, but there were 12 in all. So the Bible gives us, in the Old Testament, 16 major prophets. Now, we call the 12 minor prophets, but they're only minor because the books they wrote were smaller. had nothing to do with the uh, the quality of their prophecy. Hosea was just as much a prophet as Isaiah. He just wrote a smaller book, and so they're called minor prophets. That's all. So you have 16 prophets God raised up. And these Old Testament prophets are mentioned in Hebrews 1, verses 1 and 2. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the who, everybody? I heard five of you go, prophets. Come on, spoke to the people how? By the the prophets. That's how he spoke to them. He spoke to the people by the prophets. The prophets would stand up and they would say, thus saith God the Lord, and they would deliver the word of God. But he goes on to say, God has in these last days spoken to us by his son. You remember on the Mount of Transfiguration, there was was, um, uh, Elijah and there was Moses. Moses representing the law, Elijah representing the prophets. And what did God say to the disciples? He said, hear him, pointing to Jesus. In other words, Jesus is the one to listen to now. You you had the prophets and you had Moses, but now in these last days, it's Jesus. He's the man. He's the one. He's the spokesman. Listen to him. The Old Testament prophets warned God's people almost invariably who were straying away from God. You look at the ministry of Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, the the bulk of their prophecies were warnings to the people who were straying away from God. And the prophets were raised up to call them back to God, to call them to repentance before judgment fell upon them. Jeremiah began preaching to Judah when he was a young man and Judah didn't listen and Judah was taken into captivity when Jeremiah was an old man. They never listened to him all those decades. But God not only warned God's people, they also delivered to Israel and to the world, to us, the inerrant, unfailing, perfect word of God. That Old Testament is the perfect word of God. I want you to say it with me. The Old Testament is the perfect word of God. All right? 
the prophets were used by God to give us the perfect inerrant word of God in the Old Testament times. Paul says this about their writings. Every scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for showing mistakes, for correcting, and for training character. Now, you got to keep in mind when Paul wrote that, most of the New Testament had not been written. So what was he talking about? He was pointing back to the Old Testament and saying, every scripture. Now, also, there were parts of the New Testament, but mainly he was looking back to the Old Testament, saying every scripture found there is inspired by God. And it's useful for teaching, for showing mistakes, for correcting and training you in character. Thank God for the Word of God. Thank God for the Word of God. Now, the way they were inspired, these men, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Habakkuk, you name it. How did they receive the Word of God? Peter tells us in 2 Peter 1.21, for prophecy never had its origin in the human will. But prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. You ever seen a little uh, sailboat out on a lake? It'll sit there until you hoist the sail. And when you hoist the sail, a breeze grabs that sail and carries that boat along. That's how these prophets were moved on by God. They were just sitting there, and the Spirit of God came and blew on them, moved on them, and they were carried along, borne along by the Holy Spirit as they wrote. So that what you have is not the will of men. It is the Word of God. Let's hold up our Bible. Can we just hold up our Bible? If you've got a Bible with you, hold it up. I want you to say, this is the Word of God, breathed out by God. Well, you, you guys got a case of lockjaw today. Let's try that again. This is the Word of God, breathed out by the Spirit of God. Amen. Give the Lord a hand of praise, because that's what it is. And Jesus wanted us to be really clear that he didn't come to do away with the Old Testament prophets. Of their writings, Jesus said, Don't, do not think I came to destroy the law of the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For assuredly, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will and by no means pass from the law what the prophets wrote till all is fulfilled. Now, as we move from the Old Testament to the New Testament, we see the gift of prophecy is alive and well. We read that Jesus himself, the greatest prophet that ever lived, prophesied of things near and things far away, and he did it with 100% accuracy. And folks, listen to me now, because this is where I really want to go. At least three of his apostles prophesied predictively in their epistles. John, Peter, and Paul prophesied predictively. They talked about the last days, what to look for. John gave us the book of Revelation, 22 chapters of pure prophecy. Now, once the church was established, that's us, Paul the Apostle wrote to the Corinthian church about a gift of prophecy that was operating among them. He lists nine gifts, and one of them is like this. He says, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. To one is given prophecy. Prophecy. Now, in the New Testament, that word is found 28 times, and there are two kinds of prophecy. Now, this is what I want you to walk out with today. There's two kinds. Say with me, forth telling. 
and then say foretelling. There's two kinds of prophecy, forthtelling and foretelling. Now let me talk to you about forthtelling. Forthtelling is anointed, inspired preaching for the edification of the saints. Paul speaks of this kind of prophecy in 1 Corinthians 14.1. Desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Now, is he talking about foretelling there? No, he's talking about foretelling. What does foretelling do? He says, he who prophesies, foretells, speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. Now, you know what I'm doing right now? I'm foretelling. Let me put it another way. I'm prophesying right now. I'm bringing you an inspired message from the Word of God, and the Bible says one of the meanings of prophecy is that. Now, there may be a time in our service, during worship or after worship, that somebody has a prophecy, and they bring the prophecy extemporaneously, right there on the spot, they bring a word that the Spirit of God has moved on them about. That is forth-telling. It is intended to edify, exhort, and comfort the church. Amen. And I want to see more of that. I want to see more of that. Amen. Because this is the legitimate gift of prophecy. When you foretell, it's the legitimate gift of prophecy. You're foretelling. You're bringing a word that edifies, exhorts, and comforts the church. Paul said, when you come together, let one have a hymn, let one have a psalm, let one have a spiritual song, but everybody ought to come loaded to unload something God gave them. Did y'all hear what I just said? He said, let all of you, when you come to church, don't expect Pastor Jeff to be the only one with a word from God. Now, I'm the preacher, I'm the teacher, yes. But he said, when you come to church, maybe God's put something on your heart, a psalm, maybe a song, a spiritual song, or a hymn. Unload it. You are to unload it. You are to share it, to edify, exhort, and comfort the church of God. That's foretelling. And then there's foretelling, and I'm almost done. Foretelling is to predict a future event in the name of the Lord. Now, this is a different bear. This is a whole different thing. When you exhort one another prophetically with a word from God out of the Scriptures, you exhort, comfort, and edify someone else. That's foretelling, and that's prophetic. But when you predict the future, that's distinctly different. Um, And here is where the Old Testament prophets and the New Testament prophets majored. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, all of them, they predicted major future events. They predicted the rise and fall of nations. They predicted the rise and fall of kings. They predicted the judgment of God that was going to fall. They predicted major, earth-shattering, nation-changing events. And they were specific They were right down to the wire. They didn't hem and haw and say, well, maybe or this or that. There wasn't anything fuzzy about it. It was clear as a bell. They predicted major events. And those events came to pass just exactly like they said. Over 400 prophecies were given about the coming of Jesus, the life of Jesus, the death of Jesus, and the resurrection of Jesus. And over 400 of them came to pass with stunning accuracy where he would be born, how he would die, how much money would be given to the betrayer of Jesus, what he would do with that money, how he would throw it away, how he would regret it, how they would cast lots for his vestures, for his clothes, 
how he would look down at mockers who were mocking him on the tree, how he would be beaten beyond recognition, how nobody would receive him, how he would be a man of sorrows acquainted with grief, all kinds of prophecies, and they came to pass exactly like they said. Future predictions. Now, my experience is this. The foretelling is the most common kind of prophecy found in the church of Jesus Christ because foretelling, friend, you better be right. Because if you foretell a major event and you're out there on social media and you foretell a major event, a political event, a a national event, a world event, and you give a time and you give specificity and it doesn't come to pass, it's called eat can we stand together today y'all have been a quiet group I like to think you're a thoughtful group but let's just sum this up so we can go out because I know I gave you a lot of information now here it is the Bible from Old and New Testament is replete with prophecy and prophets your Bible is at least a quarter prophecy all right Bible prophets never erred. Never. With predictive future events, they never erred. Prophecy is one of the spiritual gifts listed in 1 Corinthians 12, so it's alive and it's well. Prophecy can manifest as forthtelling or foretelling, with forthtelling by far being the most common in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's prophecy. Everybody say with me, prophecy is real. It's legitimate. But when there is a legitimate gift, There can also be and almost always will be a counterfeit gift. And so we're going to talk about the counterfeit next week. So let's lift our hands and thank God that the Spirit of God is alive and well in His church. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we don't want to despise prophesying. No, Lord, we want to see prophecy. We want to see the people of God unloading what you put on their heart, forth-telling blessing others with edification, exhortation, and comfort. We want to see the Spirit of God moving in the house of God. But Lord, we also want to avoid the the damaging false prophecy that leads people astray. So give us the difference. Help us to know the difference. Give us the gift of discernment in the mighty name of Jesus Christ.